In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tu, Iesus. Santa Maria, Mater Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto. Cor Iesu Sacretissimum, Cor Immaculatum Mariae, Sante Francisci Salesi, Sante Toma, Sante Benedicte, Sante Joseph, Santa Teresia a Jesu Infante. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. My friends, we live in a society which undervalues words. People today undervalue words which are rich in meaning. Words like love, words like friend, are used and reused and rehashed by today's pop culture so often that we don't always stop and think about the reality and the responsibility of these profound concepts. Love and friendship are a deep reality and they also mean responsibility. So as we celebrate this Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, let's, let's enlist the help of St. Thomas Aquinas to look deeper how can the concepts of love and friendship deepen our devotion to our Lord and his Blessed Mother? So St. Thomas will take a brief philosophical um, and theological overview here this morning, again, to deepen our, our devotion upon the pillars of truth, which is our Catholic faith. So today's talk aims to help us help us develop the pious habit of living each moment in the presence of God so that we can come closer to that ideal represented by St. Paul when he said, pray always, pray without ceasing. And you may recall that Our Lady at Fatima, she asked that on the first Saturday of every month, we would spend at least 15 minutes in her company. So I hope that this present reflection will enlighten and inspire us about how to do just that, how to spend time with Mary, and to make it a time that we look forward to. So, in the question of the Summa on love, St. Thomas, he speaks of love in terms of friendship. And this term of friendship, he chooses it um, expressively so that by the human terms of analogy, our minds can come to understand the divine transcendence of the charity which binds us to God and neighbor. Remember, St. Thomas says that in order to understand spiritual realities which are abstract for our mind and which we cannot easily understand, we have to work through visible uh, realities that are closer to our humanity so that we can understand those spiritual realities which transcend us. So he uses the term friendship so we can more um, deeply understand the reality of love, because we know what friendship is. St. Thomas says that love is the mutual compenetration of hearts and minds which occurs between friends. There's a, a compenetration that penetrates together, a mutual coming together of hearts and minds. Love makes a union which comes together so that the two uh, become one. He who is loved, the beloved, is, as it were, permanently within him who loves, because the lover is thinking incessantly of his friend. And, inversely, he who loves is by thought within his friend, because he is not satisfied with the merely superficial knowledge of him, but he, he applies himself to know his friend in a detailed and profound way. Right? People that we truly want to be friends with, we don't just kind of look at them from afar. We get up close to them, we, get, we want to get to know them, how they spend their time, what kind of things that they like to do, so we can do them together with them. Um, we talk about uh, things that we have in common. Um, so we really want to get to know our friends more and more in a deeper way. Uh, he who loves 
penetrates into the, in, into the most intimate corners of his beloved's mind. Right? There's this mutual compenetration. In a friendship, he who loves is within his friend by the fact that he makes his own the very joys and sorrows of his friend. It is, a, it is as if he himself is gladdened and he suffers in his friend. St. Paul talks about that. He says, we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So if we're truly friends with someone, if we're truly, um, if our friend is in some way within us, that means that we tend to feel a lot like how our friends feel. So if our friend's having a good day, well, we rejoice with that. If friend's having a bad day, well, then we, um, well, then we, we, we try to have compassion on that person. Right? The virtue of compassion literally means to suffer with, from the Latin, come passo, to suffer with. We take on another's sufferings and hopes to relieve that person of his or her burden by sharing in his sufferings with him. That's what friends do. They come together and they share, they share in each other's joys and sorrows, successes and misfortunes. Therefore, it is also a quality of friendship to desire the same things, to suffer and to enjoy the same things. St. Thomas has a neat little uh, expression for that in Latin. He says, idem vele, idem nole. That means friends want the same things, and friends avoid the same things too. So, in this way, um, inasmuch as um, he who loves regards as his own all the concerns the one he loves. So, he would seem to be in him and to identify himself with him. Right? So this, this compenetration means everything, not only our, our beings, but everything we endure, all of our circumstances, um, it, all, it all becomes one, right? And of course, um, you're thinking of that ultimate form of friendship, which is really marriage, right? The two become one flesh. You share everything together as man and wife uh, through the sacrament of marriage. So um, you know, marriage is that ultimate form of friendship. Inversely, the friend, the friend is in him who loves by the fact that this lover wills and acts while thinking of his friend whom he considers as another self. So people you're friendly with, you start to, you start to really think a lot like them. You think, oh, well, so-and-so would really like this. Or if so-and-so saw this happen, he or she would think this, right? You become so much within each other. There's such a compenetration that you really, um, you start to have this, this kind of communion of thoughts almost because um, you know each other so well and, um, and, you, and you receive a certain, um, it's, it's beneficial, it helps you to grow um, by, by coming together. So let's apply this concept of friendship to Christ himself. And we will understand to what degree of intimacy we are invited by the mere fact that we have charity and grace. So every, every Christian in the state of grace can aspire to the intimate union with our Lord since he possesses charity and virtue which create true friendship between God and man. Right? Charity and virtue literally are, uh, this is friendship with a capital F. This is God sharing his own nature with us. Right? Grace is that. God sharing his own divine nature with us so we participate in it. Right? Again, God is truly our friend because we have this communion of his very nature through grace. We share in that. Right? That's a very profound, a very, it's a mystery too. I mean, again, if we understood that in this life, we would die of joy to see how God and us are so closely united. Despite the infinite distance, God comes down and picks us up as if you know, we would bend down and pick up like a little, a little ant. Right under our finger. Well, God picks us up like that. He unites us with Himself through grace, and we are in the state of grace. So sanctity consists in this this mutual compenetration of of souls, really the holy soul of Jesus with our own poor sinner soul. Where Jesus told us, Saint John chapter fifteen, "Abide in me, and I in you." 
He who abides in me and I in him, he brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Right? If we do not have the friendship of, of grace, we do not have, we're not in the state of grace, we don't have the friendship of God, that means that we can do nothing that is meritorious for eternal life. We should still do good works because by those good works, God can still um, touch us by actual grace and move our hearts to repentance. Yes. Um, so just because we're not in a state of grace until we get to confession doesn't mean we should not do good, by no means. We should still good th- you know, good things because this will help us to repentance. But we need that to be in, the, in God's friendship. Um, and we need to understand more deeply what that means. Because friendship consists in an identical will. But we said that. Idem vele, idem nole. Friends want the same things, and they don't want the same things. They, have, they almost have like an identical will. We, as friends of Jesus Christ, we should experience, inasmuch as we are able, the very same feelings and sentiments of Jesus. So, to really to be the friend of our Lord, we should try to think more like him. Um, we should try to think, how does our Lord feel about this? Now, I can't substitute myself in his place. And I have to make the mistake, I have to avoid the mistake of projecting my own feelings and sentiments on our Lord. Some people do that very subtly, making, you know, God's expect, making you know, their expectations what they think God's expectations are. So to be careful about that, it's a subtle little temptation. But really, we should try to place ourselves uh, a little bit um, so close to Jesus, we can share in his same feelings and sentiments. That's why we pray the Stations of the Cross. Stations of the cross. We place ourselves next to our Lord. We try to share in that suffering with him to understand what did his human soul feel in that moment? Um, What kind of sense of betrayal, abandonment did he feel? What consolation did he receive as well from his mother, from from Simon, from Veronica, the holy women? Um, So we pray the stations. We pray the sorrowful mysteries. We want to share. We have a communion of feelings and sentiments with our Lord as our dearest friend. And since Jesus gives himself entirely to us, he also expects us to give ourselves entirely to him. That friendship means responsibility. It does not mean a pass. It doesn't mean we can just um, walk all over our friend. We don't do that to our friends. Right? We, we owe them more because we abide in each other. So our Lord gives himself entirely to us, and he expects that we give ourselves entirely to him. And this is what happens at every Mass. Our friendship with our Lord is at its, at its deepest moment, at its pinnacle, during the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The sacrifice of the cross is renewed upon the altar. Jesus comes to become our food in the Holy Eucharist. So his friendship for us is so deep and so intimate that he, he becomes our very food so that we can literally become assimilated to him. Like food becomes assimilated and becomes part of our body. So it's spiritually, Holy Communion, we receive our Lord really, truly, substantially, and we really become one. We're so united in that friendship at the moment of Holy Communion. That's a very profound thought. Very profound thought. Christ belongs to us, and we also belong to Christ. Our whole being, our mind, our heart, our body, especially in that moment of Holy Communion. And the more fervent we can make that moment of Holy Communion, or the more fervent it becomes because God deigns to give us grace and to help us to make it fervent, then uh, the more Holy Communion will radiate into our life. It will radiate into our life, right? Everywhere. Um, all All the grace, the joy, the peace, the strength, that come from our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, um, from the monstrance, from the tabernacle, we, we pray that in some ways we will be living tabernacles, walking monstrances, showing our Lord to those around us. Again, not in very, you know, um, in-your-face ways, right? Our Lord doesn't do that, but it should radiate, like our Lord radiates in the beauty of the altar. We should, in turn, try to radiate that beauty to those around us, be an instrument, if Christ, we're truly friends with Christ inside of us, if we dwell in him and he dwells in us, then we'll be able, little by little, to bring this to people around us. Oftentimes in ways we're not aware of, and so much the better. Um, but that's what we pray. That really, 
the, the, the irradiation spiritually that comes from the altar, this irradiation starts to spread itself to, to those around us. And it will happen. God will make that happen if we are united to him through those bonds of holy friendship. If you live up to that responsibility of being that friend that Jesus wants, calls, and expects us to be. This is really what sanctity is. We must leave our Lord free to take what he wants of us. Right? We have to let go and say, Lord, I'm willing to cooperate with whatever you want. Right? We're best friends, and so whatever you see in me, take it. Take it away. Take whatever's not helpful, whatever's, you know, the obstacles to our friendship, the bad habits, the things I don't see, my own self-will, my stubbornness, my blindness. Lord, take it away. You're my friend, right? Um, friends, we can tell each other very frankly what we think. We can ask advice. We can, we can look for direction from our friends, right? So talk to our Lord as to a friend and say, Lord, whatever is the obstacle in our friendship, take it away so that we can become deeper friends. I know that might be hard, might be difficult for me, but I trust that you as my friend will help me through that purification process. So really, um, see this friendship is really, this is the base of our sanctity, that we cooperate wholeheartedly with the graces that our Lord, our friend, is continually giving us so that we can live that friendship in a deeper way each and every day. In today's Gospel for the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, our Lord entrusts his mother Mary to St. John, just as he gives this beloved disciple to Mary's maternal care. Right? Jesus says, Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. And then we read, The disciple took her into his own. Right? It's the last words of today's Gospel, chapter 19, uh, verse is it 25 or 27. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And then the disciple took her into his own. Certainly from that moment, St. John and Mary accompanied one another in the same household with the other disciples. So St. John took Mary into his own, into his own household and his entourage. But there is also a, a deeper union here than merely a practical one. The disciple took Mary into his own. St. John adapted his mind, his heart, to wanting what Mary wanted. There was a profound union of friendship. At that moment, St. John and Mary, they, 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 they were having, even a deeper way, this identical will that, that friends have. An identical will. Indeed, Catholic tradition sees ourselves in the person of St. John at the foot of the cross. So our Blessed Lady, like she loves St. John, she also loves us to a certain degree. She loves us with the love of supernatural friendship, which calls us to a similar love in return. Right? If, um, uh, if uh, Mary becomes our mother, we also have to love her in return for all the love that she gives to us. Again, that love means responsibility to our Blessed Mother. Like St. John had responsibility for Mary as well because of that friendship between them, that identical union of hearts, minds, and wills. Mary expects us to love her with such love as we are capable of imitating the love she has for each one of us. So Mary sees within us, uh, spiritually she sees us as a living image of her son through grace. Right? Because grace is the participation of God's own nature, um, then Mary sees in us a living image of her son. And so we're very dear to her, and she loves us. Um, and in turn, we have to imitate the love she has for us. We should imitate that love. Just as Mary loves us tenderly, she forgives us. Um, she's a mother of mercy to us. So also we have to be forgiving, we have to be merciful, we have to imitate Mary and every one of those loving qualities that she exhibits to us. So, for laymen and women, this union of friendship with Mary consists um, in so identifying ourselves with the Blessed Virgin that we strive to imitate her as our model, to imitate her virtues. 
we try to enter so deeply into Mary's interior life uh, by the intuitions of love, so that through Mary, we love Jesus more deeply and we become more closely united to Jesus. So really spend time in talking to Mary about how she, um, how she felt, how she prayed during those mysteries of the rosary, during those mysteries of the life of our Lord. So try to look at the events of the life of our Lord as Mary saw them. Right? Mary was always following our Lord at a distance as he preached. She was there in the background praying for those souls who were around, um, that those souls would be open to her son's preaching. Mary was um, constantly there. And, and how did she see the events of the life of our Lord? How did she feel about his betrayal, his abandonment, the denial, the denial of St. Peter? How did that make Mary feel as a mother? Think of all these questions that come up. And you, you come to understand, the more you try to embrace Mary's thoughts, her sentiments of her heart, and you say, Mary, help me to understand what you felt. We do that actually in the Stabat Mater, as we're praying the stations. We say, make me feel as thou hast felt. Right? So we're trying to really espouse um, the soul of Mary to a certain degree in order to come closer to Jesus, in order to have a deeper love for Jesus, a deeper understanding of what our Lord truly did for us. And of course, we use our mind and our heart to think about those things, but we also have to ask Mary, Mary, help me to really be your friend to the point where I can really communicate in your joys and sorrows. I can really understand somewhat, as much as I can, what you went through so I can love you more, so I can, I can console you in your sorrows as well, so I can be more pleasing to your son. Um, help me to know what you went through so I can imitate and I can try to follow you to the best that I can. If we look at the rosary in this way, it will become for us such a, a beautiful moment of prayer, such a moment that attracts us. It's no longer a burden. It's something that really we enter in a deep conversation with Mary, our friend. Um, and therefore, our friendship with Jesus grows even deeper because Mary is helping us with her, with her example, but also with her prayers and her maternal spiritual support. So when Jesus declared this mutual gift, this mutual gift between his mother and his beloved disciple, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother, this mutual gift blossoms into a mutual compenetration, a mutual adherence, which St. Thomas considers the finest fruit of friendship. So Mary's our mother, yes, but she's also a dear friend because there's this mutual compenetration, this mutual adhesion, there's this we would hope like a spiritual superglue that brings us together um, such that, that we become um, one through this love of friendship. We live in Mary and she lives in us. Love means that we desire for the beloved every possible good thing. Love means whatever the person, whoever we love, we should want every possible good thing for that person. So to love the Blessed Virgin Mary is to rejoice in the happiness that is hers. We rejoice in Mary's, in, in Mary's joys. Um, when we see someone um, that um, comes back from confession, that person's been spiritually rejuvenated, spiritually resurrected, what joy that must bring to Mary's heart. And what joy comes to our heart when we see our mother happy. Um, so when we see a Marian procession, in the, in, uh, when we see... Uh, you know, we see our, our, you know, our little children do something good at, the Mary, at, at Mary's altar, or, uh, you know, Mary's altar in our home. What joy comes to us because we know that Mary's happy. And when our friend is happy, then we are happy too. And we also, because we love Mary, we want to desire an increase of her glory. We want Mary to be more well-known, more, more well-known, more loved, um, so that then people can love Jesus more through Mary. And, and in Mary. So from desiring what is good of our friends, we come to live in a certain way within our friends. Whether our friend is sad or happy, we take on our friend's same sentiments and all that befalls them, as if our friend's life was our own. So it is for us, the more we know 
and love the Blessed Virgin. The more we share in her joys and sufferings, then the more we forget our own personal feelings, which sometimes are rather petty, let's be honest. The more we think of Mary, the more we can devote ourselves entirely to her for her concerns for the greater glory of God. Think of all the, the chaos and all the confusion, all the problems in today's world. How much Mary's heart must be saddened. How much she must feel those thorns in her immaculate heart now. And she's saddened because she knows this wounds the heart of her son and of her God. And so Mary is, 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 is sad and sorrowful. And if we, we should ask Mary, help us to become even more spiritually aware of what's going on in our world so that we can imitate your prayers, we can imitate um, those sacrifices that you offered up in reparation for all of these things. So think more of Mary and your own sufferings and sorrows will, will seem, they will, really will pale in comparison. <clears throat> and also they won't feel quite so heavy, your own so sorrows and, and sufferings. I'm sure you have many and they're true and they're real and they hurt. But when you think of, of Mary's, then you help each other to carry them and you don't feel so much alone because there's this mutual compenetration that means that Mary bears your sorrows and sufferings with you. The more we pray the Stations of the Cross, especially those which pertain to Mary, the more we contemplate her seven sorrows, the more we come to understand our own lives through Mary's eyes, then the better we can unite our own sufferings and sacrifices through Mary to Jesus crucified. So the more we embrace Mary's joys and sufferings in our mind and hearts, the more we live no longer for ourselves, the more we live in her and for her. Selfish people look at the world through a personal slant. It's kind of like they got like broken binoculars. Or like they look through life where it's become like a kaleidoscope. So they can't really see things clearly because selfishness gets in the way. The blindness is there and they can't make head or tell of what's going on. That's why they make bad decisions. But when we... Uh, when we're with Mary, uh, Mary helps us. We look at things through Mary's eyes. The more we pray, the more we understand Mary's sorrows and her joys, and the more we start to look at our life in a more objective way, a little bit more as Mary sees it. She helps us to share in that vision, and thus we have a better, uh, a better way to make the right choices, make the right decisions, take the right paths. That's why we call Mary... Uh, our mother of good counsel, to give us good advice. She's the virgin most prudent. Um, she teaches us, um, by giving us a correct vision of things, she gives us the, uh, the help we need to truly actualize within us the gifts of the Holy Ghost, so that we use those gifts as they're meant to be used in the proper way, um, so that then we can direct our lives forward. So, by spending this time with Mary uh, um, as our friend, we start to really know how to lead our lives because we see it more, a little bit more as Mary sees it. More, we, we truly will come to, in time, if we follow this method of friendship, we will truly possess Mary in our hearts. We will guard her like our treasure. We will never cease thinking of her and giving her all of our love. St. Louis de Montfort says, it is not the soul who lives, but it becomes Mary who lives in the soul. Or, in some ways, going even a step further, it is the soul of Mary which becomes, as it were, our own soul. Right? Because of this friendship, because of this identical union of, of hearts, minds, and wills with Mary, then um, we become so closely, so closely united. This presence of our Blessed Lady does not consist only in the fact that we keep her in our mind and our heart by love. Not only in that fact, it's not only interior, but it has to become exterior. St. Thomas remarks, love suffices to constitute an affectionate union. But what is even more desirable is that the presence of the Beloved unites us with this Beloved person in actions which produce good effects. Right? So, you know, it's, uh, if you love your friend, you have to show them, you know, your love on their birthday or uh, on a special day. You give them a Christmas present. You, um, you, you, you know, you communicate with them. You show it in some way. 
So we who love the Blessed Virgin know her by faith. We truly wish to approach her more closely, to conform our actions to hers, because we see ourselves in her presence. We are always in Mary's presence as our friend. And, and how, do we, how do we place ourselves in Mary's presence? How, do, how are we aware of that? St. Thomas tells us that a person is in the presence of another when this person sees him. Now, the Most Blessed Virgin, as also, of course, our Lord in his sacred heart, Mary sees us from heaven unceasingly. Therefore, we are all present to Our Lady. Consequently, we can say that she is present to us according to the measure that we ourselves believe that she sees us. Now, of course, Mary sees us, but we have to really have faith in that supernatural reality. Of course, this presence in faith is meager compared to the presence we will enjoy in heaven. Right? In heaven, it will, we, will, we will really, you know, see God face to face. We will really see our Blessed Mother, of course, after the resurrection of the dead, really with our risen body, too. We will see Mary and her, her body, which is, of course, already there in heaven after her assumption. So, um, this presence of Mary, this um, this um, presence of Mary now in this life is kind of a guarantee. It's a precious pledge. It's a, a foretaste of what the vision of our mother will be and of the eternal conversation we will have with her in heaven. So this friendship already with Mary down here on earth, it already anticipates what will be that, um, that, that even physical presence in heaven one day. Wow. That, that's beautiful. Kind of like the Blessed Sacrament, when we receive our Lord in the Holy Communion, it's a foretaste, a pledge of future glory in heaven where we will see God face to face. And if we do not see the Blessed Virgin Mary here on earth, right? we do not see her physically, but we see with the eyes of our soul that she's truly here um, in that she sees us from heaven, we, we can nevertheless, we can feel the effects of her activity because without actually leaving heaven, of course, Mary exercises her maternal activity everywhere. We've talked about this in the past, how Mary is the universal mediatrix. She distributes, God has given her the task of distributing divine grace to her children without any um, intermediary. Kind of like um, when a dad comes home with a paycheck, well then a mom is able to distribute uh, the fruits that have been won by that paycheck to the children. There's no intermediary between mom and the children, but all the fruits of the father's labor, um, she distributes that to the family. That's what marriage role is for us, is the universal mediatrix. So uh, this action is, of course, purely spiritual. It's ordinarily not felt by those who benefit from it. We're not always constantly aware of all that Mary does for us but the souls who give themselves readily to Mary's influence, the souls who try to live this friendship with her, this communion of, of, um, of sentiments, this, this, uh, this prayerful union of, of mind and heart in faith and love, the souls that give themselves to Mary's influence, they often receive a sweet, strong grace which lets them um, taste the wonderfully effective power of our Blessed Lady. Um, there's one venerable priest who was you know, well advanced in age and sanctity. One time someone asked him, Father, Father Chastak was his name, Father, have you seen the Blessed Virgin? He replied, no, I do not see her. But he said, I feel her as the horse feels the hand of the rider who guides him. So, this friendship with Mary, again, in time, as we work at it, it takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. We have to really commit and be generous and faithful. Give Mary our time. Make the extra effort. We have to sometimes fast. We have to sometimes um, a little bit mortify our appetites. Not go on the internet right away. Um, not, you know, do this thing that we want to do. We have to put those things aside. Give priority time to Mary to communicate with her. To, to really try to enter into the mysteries of her life. Um, but if you try to live this friendship so that really you become one with Mary, a union of minds and wills, 
and this communication of sentiments, then in time, if you're consistent with that, it may take years, but you'll become more aware of Mary's activity in your life. Again, I do not see her, but I feel her as the horse feels the hand of the rider who guides him. Thus, the presence of the Most Holy Virgin provokes in us an increase of our love for Mary and also, indirectly, an increase of love for our Lord. The more we are aware of Mary's presence, then the more we will come to love her but to love our Lord. Jesus does not force our souls, right? He did not, God did not force the Israelites of the Old Testament, right? Jesus does not force souls on us, but he begs of us. He waits for us to, to consent um, to his life and to accept his kingdom. Jesus came to save us, but he respects the free will he gave us. He will not save us without ourselves. He will not save us without us choosing to, um, to commit to his allegiance. This is why our Lord wished to have his Holy Mother by our side. Right? We're stubborn children. Our mother, a mother is needed. A mother is needed to conquer our resistance. A mother is needed to fully, um, to make us fully adhere to God's divine will. A mother is needed to bow our proud heads. A mother is needed to lift us up when we fall. A mother is needed to encourage us and to say, it's okay, you're doing a good job. Or you can do a little bit better. We need um, a mother to make us understand that God's paternal love for us also has certain aspects on a human level of a mother's love for us. So, the Blessed Virgin is queen because Jesus is king. Um, she is only queen in and through Christ the King. Uh, but Mary is also our mother in that way. She is a mother who helps us to live up to those responsibilities of being um, subjects, sons and daughters of Christ the King. So there's, there's a real bond that exists between Mary and ourselves. It's not merely some sort of moral thought of thought and, um, and love. It's not simply some kind of nice idea or sentiment. Friendship is not just kind of a, a wispy sort of a cloud-like thing that's up there and it's not really clear what it is. It's kind of on a, a whole other abstract level. No, but friendship is founded on this real bond that exists between ourselves and Mary. This bond is the one which unites um, all, all Catholics and Jesus Christ. The bond which unites uh, the members of the body, the mystical body of the church, with Christ our head. This bond which is um, actual and sanctifying grace, right? The blood uh, brings um, life to every limb and member of our body. Well, that blood spiritually is grace, which is pumped through all the mystical body of Christ. And if Christ is our head, Mary is like our neck. She's like the neck through which this grace is given to every member of the mystical body of Christ in the church. So, so this, this bond, which is the effect of, um, uh, we would say in, with St. Thomas of Virtus, a power. It's this power is the action of Christ in us. Of course, St. Thomas tells us that um, the sacred humanity of Christ um, is united to us by, um, by virtue of a contact. Um, Christ as man, he remains in heaven. He's in his proper place, right? The risen body of our Lord is in heaven. But from there, still, the humanity of Christ acts on us and touches us at a distance. Kind of like a person speaking to us on the telephone is present by virtual or dynamic contact. Thus, we may explain the action of the Blessed Virgin in us and her spiritual presence with us by analogy with Christ. Mary never leaves heaven, of course, but like the sacred humanity of Christ, and moreover, through the humanity of Christ and with his humanity, Mary disposes us toward receiving the grace of Christ. She prepares our grounds, you know, our, our hearts, kind of like, you know, uh, when dad's going to come home, he's going to have a real message to get through to the kids. 
Well, mom knows it's coming, so she kind of prepares the hearts of the kids a little bit for that, right? Disposing their hearts, being you know, ready to receive and to maybe explain a little bit ahead of time that message that dad is going to come home to tell them. So Mary is doing that with us, disposing, and she is our mother. She does not only see us um, in verbal, as St. Thomas says, she does not only see us in and through her son Jesus, so that she can intercede for us with the Father and in union with her son, Mary does not only see us, but Mary acts in us with her son Jesus, the sovereign priest and the king of our hearts. Mary acts within us. She governs us. She is our friend who leads us to God because we have willingly united ourselves to her through this bond of friendship, which is really and truly real and concrete and not just some kind of an emotional, um, affectionate um, Thing. It's really, truly founded on this, on this bond. Mary is the queen of our hearts. Our hearts are hers. She has all the power to lead these hearts to the love of Jesus. So, every day, let's look for practical ways to live and to grow in this loving union of friendship with Mary. Look for practical ways. Make a strategy. Prepare ahead of time. Hey, you make a grocery list, you know, you make, um, you got to prepare for your homeschooling lessons, you got ahead of time, you got to prepare for work maybe the next day, for project, whatever. You prepare ahead of time, take your spiritual life seriously, make a strategy. What works for you? What is the practice that you can do to be more aware of this reality and this responsibility of friendship with Mary? From the first moment of your day. The morning prayer, maybe it's the Angelus. You wake up and you pray the Angelus. Or you pray some sort of a marrying prayer that's right on your bedside. So as soon as you get out of bed, first thing you do is you kneel down and you sit down and you stand in front of that maybe image of Our Lady. You pray that, that prayer right from the get-go. You're in Mary's you know, a presence. She's there at your side. She knows you. She loves you. She's accompanying you throughout your day. Now look upon Mary spiritually as the person in whose presence you do all that you do. You're always with her. When you're in the car, you're by yourself in the car, she's right there in the seat next to you. You're never alone. Mary is always there. So we should do things that would make her proud, that would not make her blush, that would not make her angry with us. Right? We don't want to feel a little tap on our shoulder. So we always live in Mary's presence. And how encouraging that is. Encouraging when we, even when we've fallen and we think we can't go on and we don't know what to do and we're discouraged. And Mary's right there. She's there saying, it's okay. I'll show you the way. I'll help you. I'll give you the stepping stones, but you have to pray. You have to trust in me. And um, the more you ask for me, the more help I can give you because you've asked and because you have, um, um, you've also earned it. We have to imitate Mary. The more we imitate her, the more we try to become beautiful like her spiritually. We become beautiful like Mary, the more we're patient, the more we're outgoing, the more we're generous, the more we pray, um, the more we offer up little mortifications, the more we devote our time to priorities and not just to um, uh, petty things. Um, The more we imitate Mary, the more we start to become spiritually beautiful like her. People will see that you are more beautiful in what you do, what you say, you smile more, um, you have, uh, you're more courteous, you're more polite, um, you're more fun to be with. Um, everybody around you would notice that, a certain spiritual um, irradiation of this friendship with Mary. Um, but it begins by being intentional about it, by, by prayer, by asking Our Lady to help us to be those friends that she wants and that she deserves. Um, and... Um, it comes by having a little spiritual strategy. Of course, we have our consecration prayer that we pray every day in the Society of the Sacred Heart to our Blessed Mother, to Mary Immaculate, right? That consecration prayer, we should really pray that every day. And maybe there's certain little lines of it that we can pray as little aspirations, little aspirations that are kind of like a little spiritual battle cry, um, you know, that, that, we, can, that we, we kind of take and make our own. You know, sometimes when you know hear friends talking together, they say, "Oh, I really like it when you say this. I really like it when you say when you sing this song, or I like it when you when you do this or you tell that joke or whatever." Well, um, 
We do that with our human friendships. With Mary, spiritually, there should be some sort of little prayer, um, a little formula that we kind of fall back upon that reminds us that we're in Mary's presence, that she's actively interceding for us. She's actively helping us. She's actively correcting us um, as her friends and purifying us and encouraging us. So find a little spiritual battle cry. Find a little, um, a little spiritual um, um, bouquet, St. Francis tells us. Pick those flowers and smell them. And as you walk along, you smell them again. And you keep walking along, you smell them again. It gives you energy on your way. So also find little spiritual um, thoughts, pious thoughts, um, aspiration prayers, little quotes from saints about Mary. Maybe you have a little book of quotes uh, from saints about Mary you can you know, carry with you. Uh, you know, you know, go into it. So that when you start to go into calculating mode, you know, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? I'm going to do that. What am I going to do? Uh, I can't take this anymore. I don't see a way out. Well then, okay. You pause. Say, hold on, time out. It's not worth it. Let's not lose our cool. Let's take it to our mother. Let's put it in Mary's lap. Put it in Mary's lap. Let's go like Jesus right there. Our Lady Perpetual Help. What does he do? He sees uh, the angels coming with the instruments of the passion. He's scared. He's worried. He runs to Mary. He puts his hands in Mary's hands. Right here in this image of Our Lady Perpetual Help. Well, we should do the same every day. Mary's our dearest friend. She's the most dearest of friends to people you could possibly imagine. But we don't live that friendship. We don't take advantage of it. We don't use it. We don't, we don't try to give her back generously as much as she gives to us. Well, let's not shortchange Mary. Uh, let's not... Um, you know, belittle that friendship, but let's live up to it. Let's give it all the time and attention it deserves. And you'll find that Mary is truly the cause of our joy. She is the cause of our joy. We pray in the litany of Loretto, causa nostra laetitiae. Powerful. So think about Mary as the cause of our joy. And if Mary's the cause of joy for you, then you're going to have more joy around you. Everyone, your household, the people you meet with, not everybody's always, you know, open to that. But there will be a little joy that will attract them. And maybe, just maybe, you've told them so many times, if you told them once, you told them ten times, but maybe because you did it with a little extra joy, you made it a little more attractive to them, maybe this time they might just do it. Um, because Mary became the cause of our joy, the cause of your joy, then there'll be more joy in your family and your friends, more joy in our world. And true joy, again, is a grace from God and can touch hearts and dispose them to receive more graces. I want to leave you with um, something here. It's a handout that is um, a little pious method of devotion to Mary by a priest named Dom um, Gaspar Gili. Dom Gaspar Gili. Um, his name is on the sheet. And it's from a book written in uh, 1890. Um, and he uses the writing of St. Francis de Sales um, and he suggests the method of how a Catholic might spend a month with Mary. He does it for the month of May, so it's really meant to be a book for the month of May. Uh, it's been recently reprinted, I think, so you can find it on the internet. Um, but you can also uh, find it electronically, but I believe you can order copies too. But I printed out for you here just a little method of how to spend a month with Mary. So I just encourage you to think about trying to spend a month with Mary. Maybe it's the month of September coming up which is the month of her, of her seven sorrows, um, because her feast of Our Lady of Seven Sorrows is on the 15th of September, the day after the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Um, there's a holy name of Mary on September 12th as well. Maybe it's the month of October, the month of the Rosary, um, but it's a really neat little spiritual tool, how to spend a month with Mary. Um, and he gives five points about how to um, just kind of um, you know, rhythm your life so that we can really live... Um, in a consecrated way to Mary throughout that month. Um, he talks about, you know, a particular examination of conscience, a particular resolution, um, you know, asking Mary for the help you need to follow through. He talks about approaching the sacraments more frequently, um, making more spiritual communions. He talks about um, offering up some kind of a little act of mortification, um, you know, that maybe, uh, you know, some little sacrifice uh, that you make, a little something extra you give to Mary. Um, and he recommends that maybe, you know, you, you um, uh, it, it actually, you know, if you mention it to a spiritual director, um, to a confessor, it can also obtain more, um, more graces because it's been done out of obedience. Um, 
You know, and, and he says, look, it, you know, every devotion, even if it's small, is very valuable because it's consistent, it's constant. That's the key. We got to form good habits. Do something small that you can do every day that's not a mountain, but you do it consistently. You do it small, it's not, you know, minuscule, so be generous. Don't be stingy with Mary, okay? But do it constantly, consistently. That's the key. That's why it takes a month, a month with Mary. Um, she, she, uh, he says, also become more familiar with aspirations, the prayers to Mary. Um, St. Uh, Francis de Sales said, you know, spiritual exercises uh, without aspirations are like a night sky without stars or a tree without leaves. He says, this kind of prayer, says St. Francis de Sales, this little aspiration, it may supply for every other kind of prayer, but no other kind of prayer can supply for this. In other words, those aspirations that really help you to be mindful of living and working each day in the presence of Mary. And he talks about, finally, at the end of the month, offer your heart to Jesus and Mary after Holy Communion. Um, you know, make a particular um, um, extra act of, uh, of prayer to our Blessed Mother that day. Um, and um, anyway, I'll, I'll leave you to read this. It's really kind of a neat way of trying to live what we talked about today um, in a month with Mary. And you might want to look up this, this book as well. Um, and then on the back side of the sheet, I um, also gave you a little chapter from St. Francis de Sales. Um, talks about how to place yourself in God's presence. How to place yourself in God's presence. And we're going to have benediction now. And during benediction, there will be 15 minutes of silence um, just for you to try to maybe read over this. You know, how to place yourself in God's presence and, and kind of meditate, kind of chew these words, make them your own um, and, and try to develop, again, this pious habit of living in God's presence and, and try to do that and also to ask for the help you need to do that during Eucharistic Adoration here in just a few moments. Very good. So at the entrance here, uh, you will find uh, we have the um, this little uh, leaflet, Side of the Sacred Heart. We'll begin with the Osalitaris Hostia, Act of Consecration of the Immaculate Conception. And then we'll have the 15 minutes of silence and the litany of St. Francis de Sales, etc. So make sure you pick up one of these little sheets. It's right here uh, to your right there at the entrance. Let's conclude with a prayer. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, a benedictus fructus ventris tu Iesus. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Our Lady Queen of Peace, pray for us. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.